and welcome to Strong Habits, the feminist fitness podcast about all things training, nutrition and mindset. I'm your host, Penny Vovridis, and this is episode 71. Okay, so we are still in the depths of a pandemic and an unbelievable number of people have died, including Captain Tom. And we were always a few weeks behind in terms of responding to the experts, but, my friends, but, yesterday was 13 degrees and it felt like spring and I went for a walk without a coat. I went for a walk without a coat today as well and I just want to make a note of that because celebrating the good stuff amidst amidst all all the sadness and, and the chaos, well, it's a good way to not go insane. This is basically my approach to life in general and it's relatively successful. So just take a moment and think about a good thing that has happened to you today, or or this week, and how that made you feel. It's okay. I'll wait. Think about your thing. Okay, so hopefully you've thought about your thing. If I've interrupted, feel free to pause and keep thinking about it, and then come back when you're ready. So this, this is a Q&A episode today, and I'm just going to go straight into answering some client questions. We have a really excellent range this week, team. First up, Faye asked how important oral health is. This is an excellent question, and one that people don't usually give enough thought to, to be honest. It's something I think about all the time, all the time since discovering the unfortunate fact that poor oral hygiene can actually kill you. No, my friends, this is not hyperbole, I'm being serious. Without proper oral hygiene, bacteria can reach levels that could lead to oral infections such as tooth decay and gum disease. People with a history of gum disease or who have lost some or all of their teeth are at a greater risk of death from all causes. This is based on data from over 57,000 women. The women in this study were all over 55, but you're all going to be over 55 at some point, probably. There's also research to show that gum disease is associated with increased risk of cardiovascular disease, and that one is in younger people too. Bad breath, red, swollen or bleeding gums and sensitive teeth are all common signs of gum disease, and it's generally a key cause of tooth loss. So, what does good oral hygiene consist of? Well, let me tell you. Brushing twice a day, flossing and cleaning your tongue. I have this excellent copper tongue scraper kit I got off Amazon and it's been a real game changer for me in terms of tongue hygiene specifically. Did you know, this is a fun fact that I have realised that most people do not know, so did you know that your tongue is supposed to be pink? pink. Maybe you're thinking, yeah, obviously, but go look at your tongue in a mirror right now or in your phone. I'll wait. Is it pink? If it's white, what you're looking at is bacteria. That bacteria needs to be removed on a regular basis. Clean your tongue, people. Now, interestingly, this is also a fun fact. Gosh, who knew oral hygiene was so, so full of fun facts, but look, you shouldn't use mouthwash. Mouthwash kills all the bacteria, but some of that bacteria is actually good and helpful, and if you kill it all, your body loses some of its defences. 
If you listen to episode 61 with Dr. Hannah Kaliova, you may remember that she said chewing on green leafy veg did a better job of regulating mouth bacteria than mouthwash does. There's a link to a video that she made on the topic in the show notes of that episode if you're interested. So, yes, oral hygiene is incredibly important and you need to take care of your mouths. It honestly blows my mind when people tell me that they routinely only brush their teeth in the morning. If that's you, I really urge you to reconsider your life choices. I don't want to shame you here, it's your prerogative to have bad teeth if that's what you want, but I want you to know that that's just not a good idea in terms of health or a particularly aesthetically pleasing smile, and while aesthetics should not be the decider of all things, it's just on the list. It's just on the list. And... Dying of cardiovascular disease because you didn't brush your teeth. It just kind of feels like something out of a cartoon, you know? Anyway, look, I'm not a dentist. I know most adults in the UK don't like to visit theirs very often because, well, you have to pay for it. But you should still go once or twice a year if you can. Maybe go see the hygienist and get them to give you a deep clean. Don't wait for your teeth to start falling out and hurting before you go. Faye also asked about the importance of a pillow to a good night's sleep. Again, I'm I'm not a pillow expert and it's going to vary from person to person, but it can make quite a big difference. Pillows, mattresses, duvets, sleeping position, they all they all make a big difference. If you sleep in weird positions, that's often a cause of random, unexplained pains that pop up. I mean I guess I guess they are explained. I am explaining them. Room temperature, light, sounds, these also play a part in how how well you sleep, as well as how long since you were looking at, how long it's been since you were looking at a screen till now that you're trying to sleep. Essentially, are you scrolling on your phone at bedtime? If you're having trouble sleeping, it's worth experimenting with all of the above. I'd start one at a time though, so you can establish what's working for you and what's necessary. If if you change all the things at once, you won't actually know what made things better, and you don't want to buy a new mattress if you don't have to. Sarah asked what the absorption rate and bioavailability of non-dairy protein powder was. This is an interesting question, and if you're a vegan slash vegetarian, I don't want you to get too bogged down by the answer. So bioavailability is the percentage of protein that is absorbed from so certain sources. We absorb some foods better than others and some proteins provide a higher amino profile than others. So whey protein is the most bioavailable protein source with whey isolate right at the top. Absorption is really quick and this makes it a really popular post-workout option. If you're looking for numbers, whey protein isolate blends tend to have a bioavailability index of 100 to 159. While whey concentrate is 104, casein, which is also a form of dairy protein, is 77. And this slower absorption rate means it's generally considered better as a pre-sleep protein than a post-workout one. Rice protein is 74, soy is 59, so bioavailability is less than in the dairy sources. Interestingly, this is this is an aside, milk protein seems to have potential benefits for reducing the risk of type 2 diabetes. And in fact, a number of other things. Dairy, milk protein and dairy generally have 
have a number of health benefits. Obviously less good on the environmental front if we're thinking about all of the cows that are having a terrible life and also emitting a lot of carbon dioxide and all of the rainforests that are being destroyed to farm them. But then we have to also question whether or not soy is any better when that is also coming from a very far away place. And also chopping down rainforests. So the ethical dilemma on the environmental front is vast. But on the health front, dairy is generally good. Now, is fast digestion of protein or slow digestion of protein better? The answer to this depends on the goal. Whey protein digests quickly, making amino acids and their muscle repairing benefits quickly available to your body. Casein and soy are slower, which could provide a more prolonged absorption. Like I said before, bedtime is a good opportunity for this, as it'll be the biggest gap in the day that you're not eating. Hemp is considered a slow digesting protein with a lower bioavailability score than rice, but higher than soy. The added bonus with hemp is it's also a complete protein, meaning it contains all nine essential amino acids. If you're not a vegan and you're looking for a protein powder, I'd always recommend whey isolate first, but the plant-based options are getting better and are definitely better than nothing. And there was one study that found rice protein grew muscle, power and strength just as well as whey protein did, so long as the rice protein dose was high enough. This bit's important. So in the study they used 48 grams of rice protein, which equated to 3.8 grams of leucine. For those that don't know, leucine is essentially the amino acid that triggers the muscle building process in your body to commence. For any clients that are listening, if you would like to know more about a protein serving size, check the documents library for more information. There are plant sources and animal sources listed. If you are a vegan or a vegetarian, it is advisable that any plant sources of protein be in a higher dose and also generally a mix of sources is better, particularly if it's a lower quality protein source that you're consuming. Pelina had an excellent question on fatigue. So she said, I'm going to read this out. Feeling fatigued, what's that about? Is it lockdown? Is it winter? Is it not moving much? Is it just the chaos that we live in? How can we get energy? How can I get energy back into my body? I'm me again. I answered this question in my stories today too because it felt pretty relevant to everyone. Yes, the weather and the lockdown and the pandemic and the chaos are all at play here, making you more lethargic and apathetic and tired of life and lockdown. But not moving much is also at fault, and at least that one is something that you can do something about. You see, moving your body, even just a little, is a spark in itself for the motivation to move a little more. If you're struggling with this at the moment, what with the never-ending pandemic and the doom and the sadness, give yourself a break and make it easy. Set yourself a really achievable goal, like go outside every day or spend 10 minutes a day doing some moving. The moving will make you start to feel a bit better and that will give you the energy to move a bit more. Same goes with vegetables. Eating fresh veg is a great way to put some energy into your body. These small acts of self-care will help you pull yourself out of all that apathy and stillness. 
because it isn't rest if you're not actually resting. If what you're doing is procrastinating, if you're scrolling or watching TV or playing games, if you're sitting there feeling guilty about not doing something, and if it's not true rest, well then it won't be restful and it won't make you feel any better. So then to add to the list of options, practicing actual rest is also a really nice way to rejuvenate your mind and your body. What does that look like? Well, it can be as simple as sitting on the floor and breathing for 10 minutes without looking at your phone or doing any work. Just breathe. Notice what is happening in your body. Notice any thoughts that pop up. Focus on your breathing again. Notice any sounds or sensations or desires. Focus on your breathing again. It could also look like you lying on the floor with your legs up a wall, doing the same. Hands on belly, breathing in and out. Oh, I don't know if you if you heard that. That was that was Google trying to help me with something, but she wasn't helping. My apologies for her very rude interruption. As I was saying, lying on the floor with your legs up a wall. Hands on your belly, breathing in and out. Feel what that feels like. Notice. Try not to be too hard on yourself for not doing all the things. It doesn't matter. Just do what you can. Start from where you can. And try to repeat that effort tomorrow. Marion asked about getting food delivered and she said, when's the best time? What are good treats? Are there any cookbooks that replicate fast food at home? Okay, I'll meet again. So in terms of food deliveries, it doesn't matter. Do whatever works for you. It's going to depend on what your schedule is like. In terms of treats, it's going to depend on the goal and your preferences. Fruit is always an excellent treat. Lots of nutrients. Many are low in calories, generally cheap. What's not to love? In terms of good snacks that one might consider diet friendly, things like Greek yogurt with berries and a bit of honey or sugar-free syrup is an excellent, excellent snack or, or a protein bar. In terms of treats that bring a high rating on the joy scale, I'm a big fan of donuts. Krispy Kreme is my fave. Quite calorie dense, but one now and then won't break the calorie bank. Watermelon goes splendidly with halloumi. Apples are great in a crumble, and apricots will help you poop. I don't know of any cookbooks for recreating fast food favourites. I mostly Google all of all of my recipes, and I have done so for you too. I'm going to share some links to a few articles that I found online with a number of recipes for recreating your fast food faves. I find... If you're making something that you would make in that you would buy at home, even if you're not making it especially healthily in inverted commas, it's probably still going to be better for you and more nutrient dense and less calorie dense than if you got it from the takeaway just because you're in your house and you can add more vegetables and use less oil and not put cream in everything and instantly that's a difference. <laughs> so I'll share I'll share those links for you in the show notes for anyone else that is also interested. 
Dave has asked me if there are any benefits to walking around naked in the cold. This was based on an article that he read in The Telegraph about a 72-year-old in East Yorks who likes to walk around topless at dawn and a group of bare-skinned runners getting through the lockdowns with some chilly nudity. Apparently, the cold activity is making a bunch of people feel good, from a freshness to a general sense of reduced anxiety. Honestly, I don't know. I know that a lot of martial arts masters like to challenge their minds and bodies with cold activities. I knew a ninja who would meditate in the snow in his pants for 30 minutes or sitting in a waterfall. I think humans like to challenge themselves. I guess this is a mental challenge, much like running a marathon or freediving new depths. Is it good for you? Maybe. Maybe neutral. Maybe bad. Does it make you feel good? Sometimes. Running around in the snow does risk frostbite and hypothermia, so I'd be careful of jumping in without gradual exposure. Like anything, your body can only take what it's prepared for. Too much too soon would be terrible. We know that the cold can inhibit muscle repair and growth, so if you were trying to get bigger and stronger or come back from an injury, it's not going to be the most efficient way to do it. If your goal is to get really good at handling cold climates, this is going to be helpful. Maybe maybe you want to cycle through Iceland. Well, then, in that instance, building some tolerance to the cold is going to be really helpful. But if the goal is to cycle through Australia, then running around in the cold isn't, isn't as helpful. I realised that was quite a vague answer. Being outside is always a good thing. Spending time in nature, doing exercise, is a good thing. If you choose to do that naked, that is your decision, but build up slowly in cold climates. It could be a good party trick if the perfect moment ever arises. Maybe one day, in in the future when we're allowed to do things, you are in Iceland and people are doing cold lying in snow and then jumping in hot things. Is that in Iceland that that happens? I don't know, maybe I'm actually making that up. By the by, and a beautiful person comes on by and is like, oh, I love lying in the snow when I'm cold, but I'm not cold because I have such great control over my body temperature. And you're like, oh, yeah, well, I can lie in the cold snow with you. Look at me, look at me lying in the cold snow and not dying of hypothermia. Aren't I sexy? Let's have a nice time. There aren't that many examples of situations where it could be a good party trick, but I feel like that is, <laughs> that is one. Anyway, anyway, I would guess that this is more, <laughs> more a challenge of mindfulness and calm than anything else. Doing things like this is a good way to train your brain to do hard things. Is being outside in the cold going to be good for you? Well, no, yes. But is it going to be good for you? Yes, no. <laughs> I imagine it could be. Maybe this this is your moment to release your inner ninja. And I am fully supportive of this. If you want to try and see... If running around naked makes you feel any better, then do it. Start in small doses like you would do any other new new stimulus. So maybe five minutes in your pants in the garden as step one. And then build from there. And I suppose I suppose it's spring now, so maybe maybe this is in fact a really good time 
to get into the habit. And if you can keep going, by the time it's autumn, you're readily prepared. And then by winter, when next winter, maybe we'll have snow once again for you to play in, you'll be you'll be a master of being cold and naked. But if this does not sound like something that sounds sounds appealing to you, know that you don't have to do it and you're not you're not really missing out on any sort of health benefits other than a stronger mind, I suppose. So, <laughs> I hope that was helpful. I'll save the other questions for next week so as not to overload you with information. And also because one of the questions was about something that I've never heard of before. And when I looked it up, it sounded like it was nonsense, but I want to make sure before I commit to any sort of answer, because maybe I'm wrong. Anyway, I'll let you know. We'll come back to that one. If you found this helpful, I would love for you to rate and review Strong Habits on Apple Podcasts. That would be very helpful. And if you're new here and you're wondering, how do I get a question answered on the show? well my friends you become a client i actually don't have any space right now but if you would like to become a client in the future feel free to message me on instagram at superpenny or email me pennywellreaders at gmail.com and i will put you on the waiting list and i'll i'll let you know when i'm ready for you so then you can ask me as many questions as you like anyway until next time folks